morning, uh, I will go ahead and, and read a call to worship. And if you would respond by reading the words in yellow, then we can start our service together, just making sure we're focused on him this morning. This is based on Ephesians three fourteen through 21 and Psalm 14. God looks from heaven upon the children of earth to see whether there are any wise enough to seek the fellowship of God. By faith, may Christ live within our hearts that we may be rooted and grounded in love and filled with all the fullness of God. When the Lord restores the fortunes of his people, the people of faith shall rejoice and the whole church be glad. We bow down before the Father of Christ Jesus, from whom every family on earth is named. To God be all the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. If you guys would like to take a moment to greet the people around you and say hello this morning and, and meet your neighbor, then we'll, we'll see who we're worshiping with this morning, yes? Good morning, good morning. This is Pastor Dave Sim, and this is our greeting time as people in, in the Renew service in person are greeting one another. Let's take some time to greet one another by saying uh, hi and in the Facebook comments and saying um, who we're worshiping with, where we're worshiping from. And also, we're going to play a game, and today's game is Insect Trivia. So you can write your answers in the comments in Facebook Live and uh, as you continue to greet one another. The first question for Insect Trivia is this. What was the first living creature ever to be sent into space? The first living creature ever to be sent into space. Hint, they were insects. 30 seconds for your answers. Good answers, good answers. And the first living creatures to be sent into space were fruit flies. Second question. Second question is this. What insect uses a snorkel-like tube on its abdomen to breathe underwater? What insect uses a snorkel-like tube on its abdomen to breathe underwater? 30 seconds. And the answer is the water scorpion uses a snorkel-like tube on its abdomen to breathe underwater. The water scorpion. Third and final question. 
The third and final question is this. What insect is attracted to smelly feet? What insect is attracted to smelly feet? 30 seconds. And the answer is mosquitoes are attracted to smelly feet. Mosquitoes are attracted to smelly feet. Thanks for playing with us. Continue to greet one another and then we will rejoin the service in a bit. Ready, break. Good morning, good morning. This is Pastor Dave Sim and this is our greeting time as people in, in the Renew service in person are greeting one another.
If those of you who would like to stand while we sing these songs together would like to just get up on your feet and, and uh, raise your voices to the Lord, then, then please join us in worship this morning. If you're more comfortable sitting, that's fine too. We're definitely a community that wants you to just align your heart with the Lord. And if that's in loud song, then please shout. And if that's in quiet reflection, then, then you just, as long as you're focused on God, that's kind of the goal this morning, right? Is to, to rest in Him, to celebrate Him.
Amen. Alive and with us now, yes? He's here. He is present with us now. More powerful, more awesome than we can even imagine. every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you. beside you open up my eyes in wonder and show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me in your love to those around me we're gonna sing worthy worthy of every song we could ever sing worthy of all the praise we could ever bring worthy of every breath we could ever breathe we live for you Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live for you.
Jesus, King Jesus, thank you, my God, my Savior, my friend. Thank you, God, for all of the blessings you pour upon us. And thank you, Lord, that we have the opportunity to celebrate you, to come toward you, Lord, to lean into you, to dwell in you, God. In times that are hard and in times of joy, Lord, you are there. King Jesus, you are there. Thank you for your unfailing, never-ending, all-powerful love and grace, Lord. We love you and we praise you. Amen. Good morning. Matthew, and uh, it's chapter 7, and we're going to read through verse 24 to 27 from the NIV version. But before we do that, let's pray together uh, for the scripture. Thank you, God, for this morning. Thank you, God, for um, your presence. Um, thank you, God, for just being able to be here and worship together as a church, as a community. We pray that uh, you can open our hearts to receive what you have for us, God. I, we don't know uh, what everyone has been through uh, this week, but I pray that as we can uh, hear the sermon, that you can speak into uh, our lives, God. We need you more than ever. We need your presence. We need your love. We need that peace in our hearts. So we're so thankful just to be here and to be able to worship you, God. Amen. So Matthew 17, 24 through uh, 27. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in the Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From who do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter, Peter answered. The children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cast offend, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the fish, the first fish you catch. Open his mouth and you will find Four drachmas coins. Take it and give it, it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Amen.
mic pack so for my wireless mic, but uh, we've got this mic here, so that should work. Plus, I think my voice will be loud enough eventually. Um, God is good? All the time. All the time? God is good. Uh, not feeling it. And uh, at Renew, uh, we are a come-as-you-are type church. So you don't have to be in your best of spirits. You don't have to be doing well. You don't have to be employed. You don't have to, you know, look your best or whatever uh, to come to church. In fact, you know, God wants us to come before his presence um, when we are not doing well, when we are sick, when we are hurting, when we are angry, when we're frustrated, when we're not uh, when we're in doubt, even, and um, as the family of Christ, um, we are growing in accepting one another as we are in Christ. Amen? Amen. So welcome, welcome, welcome. And as Gail mentioned, we are starting a new series. We just completed about a year and a half long series in Acts, the book of Acts, and that was a lot of fun. And so as we were telling, uh, coming to an end in the book of Acts, I started to think, what should we do next? You know, it's summer, we're coming out of a pandemic, and we're meeting in person for the very first time, yet people are so excited because they've been cooped up in their homes, they're traveling all around and experiencing the sunshine. Who wants to be cooped up inside a church when the sun is shining and we want to play, right? And so... Um, Instead of like a series through a whole book or following the lectionary, I thought, hey, let's do some episodic, episodic things. Um, and I thought about strange stories in the Bible because there are some, growing up in Sunday school or reading up, uh, through the Bible, there are some strange passages, right? And strange stories in the Bible where you're like, huh? Huh? H-U-H, huh? Huh? What does that mean? Why is that in the Bible, right? You, you could probably think of some uh, right now. And so I've chosen uh, a series of episodes or stories or passages that are really strange. Like, no one preaches on this because it's just too weird or it's just too angry or violent or whatever. It just doesn't match. And so I cho I've chosen some episodes. And I'm going to start off a little lightly with this story in Matthew Seventh, uh, 17 of, and what I've entitled this sermon is the goldfish, right? The goldfish. Not like a real actual goldfish in your tank, but a fish that contains gold inside it, right? You get it? The gold had a, two, a four drachma coin inside of it, so it's the goldfish, or it provides gold for us. I guess not everyone enjoys that pun like I do. Uh, <laughs> Um, but the goldfish, and if you can hit the next slide. And the reason why I chose this passage um, is because I have this question for all of us. Is this story about the importance of Christians following the law and paying taxes? As oftentimes it's taught along with other passages like Matthew 22. Or is it about something much deeper? Like, is there a lesson? What lesson uh, can we draw out of this? And I recognize that this story is actually 
a live, real-time parable, right? Oftentimes, Jesus told parables to his disciples, and he would say something like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then tell a story. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds, but when planted, it grows up into one of the greatest shrubs. But then it grows up into something big, and everything comes under its protection. But in this, Jesus... And the exact amount needed to pay Jesus and Peter's temple tax is found in the belly of the fish. And it's like, oh, the kingdom of heaven is like all this stuff we just did, and whoa, this miracle happened. What does it mean? What purpose does it serve? What is it saying? And I think it's a lot more than, hey, as Christians, this passage says we should follow the laws of the government and pay our taxes, right? I don't think it's as simple as that. This passage and the one in Matthew 22, 15 through 22, where the Pharisees and Herodians, they want to trap Jesus with the question, is it lawful to pay taxes to the emperor or not? And Jesus says, well, look at this coin. Whose face is on the coin? Well, it's Caesar's. And then the famous, then render to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And so even in that statement, in that passage, we realize that there's two kingdoms, right? Two worlds, two economies, if you will, uh, going on simultaneously. There's that of the government, of the empire, of Caesar, Rome, right? And then there's that of God, what God controls, what God is in authority of. Render to God what is God's. The obvious answer after that would be, well, everything is God's, right? So now what? Um, so these two passages have been pointed to, as I mentioned earlier, to emphasize the importance of Christians following the law of the government, like paying taxes. And I think that's, that's a good lesson that, that's, that's in there maybe, perhaps. Um, like, we shouldn't break the laws as Christians. We shouldn't... Um, you know, run red lights. We should probably pay, not evade our taxes. It's probably not a good example. Um, we are, we're living in this country. God has, in one way or another, established um, governments. And, you know, we've voted our leaders into office. All of that. We are bound by a covenant, if you will, a social covenant. As an American or as a citizen of Washington, I am living under these laws because it protects people, it keeps people safe, it's for the common good, right? Um, but let's take this passage more into context. This is not about uh, a tax, a Roman tax. This is actually the temple tax. And the temple tax was established um, as early as Exodus 30, 13 through 16. And if you were to go back to that passage and read it, it commands every Jewish man 20 years and older, I required them to give a half shekel 
to the work of the tent of meeting um, as an offering of atonement. So uh, a half a shekel in those days, uh, a half a shekel was equal to two drachmas. Um, so what began in the time of Moses was still being practiced here in Jesus' days. Two drachmas are equivalent to half a shekel. Um, and now, instead of the money going to support the tabernacle, the money was being collected to support the work of the priests and the, to support the temple, just basically temple. Just like when a church takes offering, it's like, pay your pastor and like have the lights running, right? That's like offering, 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 give, 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 right? Um, and so that was a temple tax. And, uh, um, and the question that I want to ask once again is, is this, about, uh, is this about being a good civil citizen and not breaking the rules? Or is there something much more subversive going on here? Subversive. I choose subversive. <laughs> I've always got to choose subversive. I think the radical and revolutionary message of Jesus here is this. And you can hit the next slide. In God's kingdom... We are free and exempt from taxation, from dues, from legal responsibility, from penalties and fees and nickel and diming, from earning our way, from proving our worth, from earning our own salvation, from pulling us ourselves up from our own bootstraps in order to gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven. In God's kingdom, amen, grace is what is the, power, the powerful element, right? Grace is the centerpiece. The grace and mercy of God. That's the radical piece. And it's radical because in our culture, in our independent culture, it's hard for us to just let go and say, there's nothing I can do to be saved. It's Christ in me. It's God who saves me. Amen? And that's free. Right? You're like... All of us are like that. You know, even growing up, when I was learning about prayer, you know, learning about stuff, I'd be like, oh, my prayers aren't working because there's some sin in my life that I need to name and, like, cleanse, right? And so I'd go through um, obsessively, like, in my journal, like, writing down, I did this, I did this, I did this, and still the prayer wasn't answered. I must have missed something. I forgot something I did wrong, right? And we, we do that. We feel that that... Some way, even though we know by grace we're saved, not by our works, right? But by the power of God, by His magnanimous love for us, that He just wants to give and give and give. He's a giving Father. But yet, we're like, no, I'm not worthy. Like Peter, I'm not worthy to follow you. I'm not worthy of you. What must, what must I do to gain Eternal life, what must I do to earn this? We want to know. When, when our neighbor or our friend offers us food or drink, right, or, or pays for us, we're like, oh, I'll get you back. I'll pay you back later. Like, oh, what do you want from me? What, what can I pay you? Because we're like, nothing is for free, right? Nothing is for free. But in God's kingdom, we are free and exempt, Amen. And that's radical. That's good news. 
And sometimes, you know, I worked a lot with college students and young adults early in my ministry, uh, still working with young adults. Um, but one of the things I heard often was, Dave, I haven't gone to church in a long time, right? And I'm like, well, just show up, come to Renew, come to church. And they'd be like, oh, I, I just need to get my life together. Like, you know, I'm kind of living free and like doing, you know, shady things in my life and just going out and partying and kind of stuff. When I'm, get that out of my system, then I'll come to church. I'm like, what? You don't need to like do all of those things to come before the presence of God. But we feel that still. It's still in, in our culture. Like, we need to wash ourselves. I need to clean myself of all dirt before I can show up to church, before I can come into the community of faith. But we are all sinners. We're broken, we're dirty, we're broke down. And that's what, it, that's what at Renew, we wanna build that culture. Like the culture where we're all touched and believe and receive the grace of God, amen? That people can come as they are and receive. Nobody is better than the other person. Right? There's nothing you can do. Well, you might be, if you can sing and play the guitar, that's nice. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. If you have time to serve in the garden, yeah, that's good. Um, just kidding. Come as you are. But then eventually you've got to serve. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so bad. Um, we are free because we are children of God. Right? Jesus made, is making this point. Hey, the rulers of this world, he says to Peter, what, when they tax, do they tax their own children or do they tax other people? And Peter's like, they tax other people. Of course they tax others, right? Because their children are exempt because they're their family members. We look out for our family members. We give benefit to our family members because they are the ones we love. They are the ones in our household, right? They're of our self-interest. In the same way as children of God, we are exempt. We are children of God. We are all sons and daughters. We are free from taxation, right? We are free from the burden. We are free from this heavy load that we have to carry in order for the thing to continue, right? That's not God's economy. God's economy is, I, this thing continues by the power of my spirit. Jump on board. There's abundance of provision for you in my name. Next slide. Uh, freedom and love versus repression and coercion. So I have a couple of stories. And I call it the cult and the bird. The cult and the bird. So, you know, someone was telling me uh, they're familiar with horses, but a baby horse, if it's a male, is called what? A colt, right? Maybe before it's four years old. And a female horse that's a baby before it's four years old, not a tod like a toddler horse, basically, is called a filly. So a colt and a filly. But when you're breaking in a colt, right, a, col a new colt, uh, someone was saying, you know, it, it'll squirm about, it'll fight you, it'll, you know, buck, it'll buck you. And the thing you need to do, right, is to squeeze that horse. Squeeze it so tight 
and it's moving, and it's struggling, it's fighting, and you're just holding. It's like what I do with Isaiah, because he never likes, he doesn't like cuddling anymore. He doesn't like, you know, hugging me, so I like squeeze him, and he's like, get off, get off me, get off me, dad, you boober. And uh, he squeezes me, squeezes me, squeezes me, and I, I hold him tight until he can't resist anymore, and then he just calms down. And then we have our, what I call, quote-unquote, special moments. <laughs> um, but, and then, you know, that's breaking the, the cult, right? The cult will calm down, and all of a sudden, uh, there will be more compliance. Contrast that with this boy who found an injured bird, a bird with a broken wing, walking around, hopping around. And... Um, he started to feed this bird and take care of this bird. Uh, but the bird, of course, feared him and was scared of him. So what he would do is put out crumbs on the ground. And the bird would slowly, like a line of crumbs go coming to him, the bird would slowly hop, hop, and pick up the bread, hop, hop, and pick up the bread, hop, hop, and pick up the bread. And finally, day after day of doing this, he got to the point where the trail of crumbs would lead to his palm with bread in it, and the bird would come all the way to his hand and eat out of his hand. And so they built this special trust and this special relationship. Um, and then the bird eventually was healed and could fly and stuff, but he still, the bird would still come and eat out of his palm. Then one day, the boy got it in his head that, oh, I want to I wanna have special moments with this bird, right? I'm going to grab it. I'm going to grab it. So the bird comes to his palm, and he tries to grab the bird, and the bird freaks out and flies away, never to come back again. And the moral of that story is, in some situations, when we hold too tightly to something because we don't want to lose it, that's actually when we lose that thing because we're, de we're denying the creature, we're denying that thing's uh, freedom and we're threatening it so it, it flies away, right? The cult and the bird. In our relationships, there are ways we can get people to be who we want them to be, to do what we want them to do. There are ways in business or on teams, sports teams, in families that we be, can be of one mind, one vision, one purpose. There are ways that we can gain a group of people's loyalty. The first way is through building a culture of freedom, inspiration, and love, right? Just like with the bird, hey, I've got food here. Here are my palms, eat out, eat out of my palms, right? There's freedom, you can come and go as you please, right? But what, what, what is motivating people is, I feel safe in this space, I feel loved in this space, or this space is fulfilling my sense of purpose, like I'm in line with the vision and the mission in this place, in this business, in this workplace, like I feel served, I feel like, it's, like I'm doing something purposeful and good with my skills, with my work. So that's one way, you build a culture of freedom, inspiration, and love, or we can do this by holding the bird tightly. Bird, you're going to stay with me and not fly away as long 
as I hold you tightly so you can't get away, right? Um, so we can hold the bird tightly um, through repression or coercion. We can create a culture of repression and coercion. Like we make people do things out of a threat of anger or a threat of force or scaring people. We repress people's, you know, if they disagree or whatever, we shut that down, right? You must be, follow me. And in a way, when we read the Old Testament, when we read the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and about Moses' law, the law was for the people who were like baby horses, right? They were like a colt or a filly. They were young people of God, journeying through the wilderness, trying to find identity and separate themselves from the other types of people out there in a hostile world. They are journeying and wandering, still figuring out who Yahweh was. And so God gives them these laws and commands and the prophets in order that they build up a culture of being separated, being holy. But the law themselves, so that's like squeezing the filly, right? Like, I know you want to be wild and crazy, but that's going to hurt you. Let me just hold on to you. Just hold, just stay tight. To just learn this one thing. Just do this thing. And then finally, you can grow into more and more freedom as you stop bucking against that. But then Jesus comes, right? And there's the new covenant. Jesus comes, um, and as he says in Matthew, I did not come to abolish the law, right? But to fulfill it. What Jesus is talking about basically is I am the fulfillment of the law. The fulfillment of the law is embodied in me, a person, a relationship, right? That's next level freedom, right? When we're all kids, we just follow our parents' rules. But as we grow more responsible, they give us more freedom because we can think more for ourselves. We have a more adult relationship with our parents and with the world around us. And so the reins loosen, but it's more about relationship and trust, right? Right? As we grow. And that's what Jesus is saying when I'm not here to take down the law, but the law all, the law is there to point towards me, right? I am the fulfillment of the law. The spirit of the law is love. And Jesus is offering a new covenant, a new temple for his people. And in context, right before this living parable, this real-time parable, Jesus is predicting his own death, right, to his disciples. He's saying, you know, my enemies are after me. They're going to get me and they're going to kill me. They want they to they they take me down. And one of the key conflicts is things like Jesus saying, I am the living temple, right? This temple, I'm going to tear down in three days. I'm going to build it up. And the Pharisees are like, what? This man says he's going to tear down the temple and then build it up in three days? It took us like 40 years to build this temple. They're thinking literally. But Jesus is, again, pointing to not the structure, not the law and the constraints, but himself as the spirit of what those things were. Right? Does that make sense? He's the fulfillment of the temple. He's the fulfillment of the law. 
And that law is love and grace and mercy. Jesus is offering a new covenant, a new temple for the people. Right? And so, as the temple leaders are challenging Jesus' disciples, they're testing him. They're saying, did you not pay the temple tax? Right? They're coming around. They're take, everybody has to pay two drachmas to the temple. It's required. Are you going to pay your temple tax? And Peter's like, I think so. I don't know. So he goes to Jesus. What do we do? Or actually, Jesus uh, senses what's going on. And that's when Jesus tells Peter, go fishing. Hey, go fishing. And he asks him, you know, what's better? What do people, what do rulers of the world, who do they tax? Their children or them others? Others. Another story in the scriptures that I like to point to in Luke 15, the parable of the two lost sons, right? There's a younger son and there's an older son. And we kind of focus on the younger son, right, as being the lost son because he says, Dad, give me my inheritance now before you die. I want to go out and live the life. I'm a bird, right? I want to go fly. And uh, the older son stays at home, is faithful, works for his father, stays, and like is the, is the loyal son. And then the younger son comes back, the father receives him, is so happy, throws a party, and the, it says the older son is outside of the party going, eh, 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 eh. I've been here this whole time. And the word he uses is slaving away for my dad. Right? Earlier, the younger son said, it would be, I would be much better off as a, even my serv- servants of my father are doing better than me. Even my father's servants, I'll go and say, I'll be a servant. Same word, same idea. The older son has been slaving away, has like a servant to his father. So in this way, the older son is lost as well because the father sees his sons as his sons, right? You're not my servants. You don't work for me, right? That's why when you come back, I receive you fully. You don't have to pay me back the money you, you like wasted, like I, I put my ring, the family ring on your finger. You're my son, right? Both sons need, to, need this attitude adjustment. And the, older, the father comes out to the older son like, why are you sitting, we're having a party, your younger son was lost and now he's found, come in, party. And the older son is like, <laughs> right? On the outside of the party, just like, whining and upset and frustrated. I did this, I worked this, I worked this long, I did this. And sometimes we're like the older son. For those of us who grew up in the church, who have been Christians for a long time, right? I've gone to church all my life. I've served in churches all my life and nothing. I don't get a party. I don't, no one's giving me any recognition, right? doesn't even know me, doesn't see me, doesn't talk to me, doesn't write emails to me. He doesn't care. No one cares about me. And I've been here working and working and working. And God is saying, man, you don't work for me. 
you're my child. Just come. Just come as you are. This is a radical message for us because it's so hard for us to really, we understand it in our mind, but we don't know how to live it out. We feel like we're not worthy, so we have to do something for God. Amen? But Jesus is saying, it's free, right? God's children are exempt from taxation. No taxes. He can run on that ticket, right, God? No taxes! <laughs> Next slide. Hashtag be renewed. This is one of our hashtags for our church. We're called renew. Uh, hashtag be renewed. So we'll take a picture of the garden, like all the, all the zucchinis and the flowers blossoming and being abundant, and we'll go, renew garden, harvest. Hashtag be renewed, right? And it kind of encompasses kind of the, our ethos, right? We're called renew because we want to be about God renewing people's lives. Right? A lot of us who grew up in the church are like, ugh, church, Sunday morning. I can either get up, dress up, and make my way over there, or let's just stay in bed. Or like, ugh, ugh. Like this sense of dread, like following Jesus is like, we are the hummingbird that's been caged. Right? And the caged bird no longer sings. Right? What happened to the adventure, the spontaneity, the love and the freedom because of God's joy and grace welling up in us? We can't help it because he's filled our hearts with joy and love, amen? And that's what we want to capture. That's what we want to be about, right? Being renewed in God and then turning for the renewal of our neighbors, our neighborhoods. Right? That love, our love to our neighbors, to other people, doesn't come out of obligation, duty, you know, sir, you know, being this, like the older son slaving away because we've always done it. We've always done it year after year. We've done it this way. Or I guess I have to do it. Or I need to do community service and put that in my hours. Right? But we love our neighbors because God loved us first. Because right? we've been renewed and it's boiling over. Right? It's just butterflies coming out of our lungs, like just flying out. It's butterflies, and all these butterflies are going out to the people in the city and butterflying about. Right? And everyone starts smiling and laughing in joy because the butterflies have touched and inspired them. And these butterflies in some way came out of us because God put his butterflies in us. When maybe he put, planted like caterpillars inside us and they like cocooned and like came out as butterflies. Right? And we don't know what kind of cocoons God has been putting in us every day, week after week, day after day, that's ready to come to fruition. Amen? Amen? What does it mean for us to be hashtag be renewed? What does it mean? And so I want to take some time uh, to ask this question and time for you to reflect and as 
we continue in worship to reflect on this question. How are you living, have you been, as a follower of Jesus, been living under a system of taxation, right? In other words, what kind of sense of duty and law has been shackling you as you follow Jesus? Whether that's following Jesus means I must do this, or I must be this, or I must do this many hours, or I must serve. For example, for me as a pastor, you know, there's a whole missional church, attractional church, missional church, attractional church. For me, it's like I'm constantly obsessed and worried about, am I being missional? Am I being missional? Am I being missional? Until I'm like, what is missional? <laughs> like, I gotta like reach out, reach out, and I gotta make my church reach out, reach out, reach out, reach out. Like, what does that mean? But I know it makes me feel guilty, right? And that's a shackle, right, that I need to be free of and just be what God says I should be. <laughs> Does that make sense? So as I pray, let's reflect on that, and as the worship team comes up and sings, let's reflect on that. What are the shackles or the taxes we pay when God says, you're my children, and it's free? God, thank you for your word. Thank you. <sighs> Thank you that in the midst of living in two different economies where we live in a world that we do have to pay the two drachmas. And you say, yes, um, I'll pay it for you. But look, don't worry. Here's a fish with what you need. That we don't have to worry because you are more powerful and you provide for us and you care about us and you can give for us. So thank you for being the good, good father um, that gives to us and provides for us and sets us free. Uh, that we're free to dance, free to sing, free to worship you uh, because of who you are and what you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to stand, we're going to sing a hymn together this morning. Some of us grew up singing this song, and so maybe it uh, might be written on your hearts. And if it's new to others, then it's just a wonderful hymn with words that we can really reflect on the greatness of our Lord and Father. Oh, Lord, my God, when some wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my
that God his son not sparing sent him to die I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin then sings my soul my Savior God to thee how great thou art how great thou shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim my God how great thou to uh, um, be with our communities. Our children are struggling because they haven't been able to go to school or play with their friends. And as things are open, opening up, we're still, many people are still struggling financially. And so, you know, I think in this passage, Jesus is not just being an idealist. He knows that, man, we still have to pay the temple tax, right? that we've been taxed, we're tired, we're burdened. Um, and he cares about you. And he says, hey, go fishing. Like, I've got what you need, and I can provide, amen? So go from this place 
and the knowledge that God cares about you. You're his child, you're his children, and he will provide. Go in peace. Amen. sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to
So teach my songs to rise to you When temptation comes my way When I cannot stand, I'll fall on you Jesus, you're my hope and stay Oh God.